So today I'm here to talk about attachments. I sort of try to find the definition for, for what an attachment is, what it is to become attached. And uh, Google definition, you know how it goes. We tend to get attached to people because of how they let us feel. We stay because we feel appreciated. We get attention, we feel special, we feel giddy. We get complimented, we feel encouraged, which is usually drawn to becoming self-centered. We are trying to feed our needs. So, I mean, obviously taking everything with a grain of salt, but let's say, let's consider that the definition of being attached. Uh, I mean, when I read this, I think it's, it's rather selfish. I think we're attached, uh, we try to define attachments and make them seem selfless. Like, I don't know, try to find some poetic justice in it all. Like, why you and I need to be together. And at times, really, it's just selfish. It's like, it's because of how you feel or how the person makes you feel most of the time. And it's almost like borderline that I can't live without you kind of paradigm, which is not really true because all this time I've existed without you. So why is it now that I have this connection with you and now the connection is uh, being threatened or somehow compromised and I feel like, no, I can't live without you. I don't know, it's a weird thing, but it happens. So I'm trying to understand like, why does it happen and does it need to happen, you know? Because I'd rather it doesn't. <laughs> so this made me wonder, how do we become detached if we are attached? Google, express your feelings in a safe place. Giving yourself the place to feel your emotions in a safe way is integral to being able to detach when you need to. Set a time each day to your feelings. Practice crying alone. Feeling is much like falling, right? And I remember I was watching this thing by uh, Sadhguru and he was speaking about the feeling of falling, that a lot of people say falling is it's an unpleasant thing or feeling, but that's actually not true because falling is probably one of the most exhilarating feelings you can experience. The only problem is the landing. That's how I feel about feeling, like feeling feels good. It's only when you feel like you're not allowed or supposed to feel a certain way that it becomes painful. Like when you love someone and you have a certain expectation for them to return that feeling or whatever. And that's okay until you feel like maybe I shouldn't feel this way, you know? Or maybe I'm not allowed to feel this way. And that's when it becomes painful. Because ideally like, the purest form of love doesn't need anything. It doesn't need a return. It doesn't need, you know, um, an investment. It doesn't need anything. It's complete the way it is. But, you know, when it becomes tainted, that's when we sort of poke holes in and we try to fill those holes with other things, but the thing was already complete to begin with. So I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to discover why we become attached to people because I, I suffer from that as well. Although as of late, it's become a lot easier to, to detach. Um, it's just, I guess with the right motivation, you know, because I've had, I don't know if I'd even call them friends, but like 
people in my life that existed and I thought were there, you know, for my sake. I can't tell you why they really came into my life. Maybe they saw, I don't know, whatever they saw. But then it was easy to cut those people off, like, because, I don't know, maybe because I didn't feel attached or I did, but I realized, like, the relationship was just very toxic, especially to me. Like, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't for me. It, a lot of the time, the mindsets, the conversations, the things people wanted to do, like, and I have a, a very low tolerance for, for bullshit nowadays. If I don't like something, I'll, I'll say it, and I'll say it the way. Back then, I used to be very timid. I avoided conflict. Part of the reason why I was afraid to say certain things or engage was I was afraid to lose a certain person's opinion about me or a certain respect. I don't even think the person had a respect for me, but I was afraid to lose that. So I don't want to jeopardize that. But now nah, I don't really give a fuck, you know? So it's like, I'll just say things and not even to be spiteful, you know, because ultimately I believe, you know, my heart is, you know, it tries to be in the right place. I'm not going to play like, like I'm a saint or whatever, but I try to be in the right place because I know how it is to be mistreated, so I wouldn't want to do that to someone else. I know how it is to be in a very dark place, in a bad space. So I wouldn't want to, you know, put that on someone else. In fact, I'd want the opposite, you know. Why do we love? Again, Google. This happens because our brains and hormones go wild when faced with a sincere love interest. When we're in the company of the loved one, the brain produces serotonin, which gives a sense of well-being. Uh, more endorphins, which are natural painkillers, and more dopamine, or dopamine, uh, which increases pleasure. I don't know, love, love is a powerful drug. I won't lie about that. It's, it's a very, very powerful drug. You know, they say, don't do drugs, but you fall in love. That is the ultimate. Because the interesting part is, something else I was listening to uh, said that we're either motivated by pain or pleasure. So it's either we do things to avoid pain or we do things to gain pleasure. Now love promises to kill pain and give pleasure. Like no wonder it's so addictive. And to a point where a lack of it can almost be like detrimental to a person. Like you start suffering from withdrawal, you know. But again, it's like, how do you combat that? What happens when you, when you, sh when you share a love interest but the feeling is not reciprocated. These chemical reactions that happen within your brain, within your body. Like, do they now become contaminated and like flip? Is that why people become very unpleasant to experience a certain level of pain whenever they're hurt by somebody they love or care about? And I wonder, all these things I'm wondering about. Because ideally I realize like feelings are a flow. There's something that you allow. It's not that Sometimes you intend to feel a certain way, but you can encourage certain feelings, right? You can encourage certain actions or thoughts, right? That, that lead you to feel a certain way. But even with that feeling, it's like you allow it. That's why even when you fall in love, I always say that it's always the idea of someone that makes you fall in love with them. And then you wonder like, am I in love with the idea of the person or them because it's usually or often how you think or what you think of something that determines how you feel about it. 
if I think you're the one for me, you're chosen, how I feel about you is always going to be very intense and very passionate and, you know, like fire, you know. But if I think that you're just somewhat annoying, you know, then how I feel about you is going to be very like, eh, whatever. Uh, the thought is very closely interlinked to the heart. I know a lot of people are like, oh, follow the heart, like, oh, follow your thoughts. But I feel like you have two hearts that feel differently in the same way that us males and females feel differently. We may be experiencing the same feeling, but we project things differently. Males are probably more open, more upfront, especially about being sexual or their sexuality. Whereas with females, not obviously not overly general, but with females, they're more sensitive. Um, not to say males are not, males are like extremely sensitive, but it's like, it always comes across differently because we're programmed to feel differently. Like with dudes, you're not allowed to be sensitive, not allowed to cry. And you grow up feeling that way or thinking that way, even with the people that are close to you, like your closest friends, certain things you can't open up because you're just programmed, like you gotta deal with, with this thing on your own. And then obviously with females, with them, I guess it's because with their friends, like they'll sit and talk about their feelings most of the time or things happening. So the talking and the expressing becomes a natural thing. I mean, it's like programs and whatever, and we're all different, but, in this, but we're all the same. It's just annoying. If you don't have that love interest, then how do you increase your serotonin levels? And, you know, uh, dopamine, like, how do, you, how do you gain that if you don't have that, you know? And then again, Google. Exercise, uh, regular exercise for at least 30 minutes each day improves one's overall mood. I can agree with that. Uh, spend time in nature, I can agree with that. Nutrition, meditation, gratitude, essential oils, goal achievement, happy memories. And there are obviously more items, but I, I, I strongly agree with those. Um, and I think I should do more of the other ones. Meditation, I used to meditate a lot, not as often. I take a lot of walks though, a lot of quiet walks, but like I need to get back into the traditional meditation. Gratitude, I need to do more of. I started doing it recently, but more of that. Um, goal achievement, definitely. In fact, that's, yeah. I think, yeah, that's a good motivator if you don't have a love interest, like achieve your goals. Happy memories, those are good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a very active daydreamer, so I like to get into my mind a lot. So it's nice to be in a happy place when I'm in my mind a lot. Uh, if not, then I'm just resolving myself. <laughs> but with this thing, right, with this love interest, can you be your own love interest? Um, but the question I asked Google is how to love yourself, right? And there are probably many responses and whatever to this, but just taking this one into consideration. Um, have fun by yourself. I can agree with that. I enjoy having fun by myself. 
travel once a year. I probably travel a lot more than once a year. I don't travel enough as much as I should, so I agree. Forgive yourself for your mistakes. Very powerful one. I suffered for a very long time because I couldn't forgive myself for mistakes I made. It's terrible, like it was the worst time. But yeah, start a journal. It's something I used to do because I used to suffer from like very dark times. And it got to a point where like I felt like there was no one that would really understand or get me. So I started journaling and it was very liberating. And I even have actually the two journals that I've ever <laughs> written on, I still have them. Um, but I should probably start doing that again. I've, I've thought of that, I think I should. Learn how to love yourself by saying no to others. Oh. Oh, God, such a powerful one. Man, like for most of my life, if not all of it, I've struggled to say no. Even because of that, I've put myself in situations that sort of compromised my character and they compromised me and the promises I made to myself. And something I also learned, also quite recent, was like if you settle for mediocrity, like you're, you're, you're training your brain to be okay with shit that is okay. And you're settling for, for less than what you, what you actually deserve. Um, and again, whatever you deserve, conversation for another day, but like you, you probably had certain promises you, ha you had for yourself, probably as a very young person or early teens or some point in your life, you're like, oh, this. And then because you couldn't say no to people, you ended up compromising the promises you made to yourself. The person that should be the most important to you, you'd rather sacrifice their needs for someone else's because they may be disappointed in you, it might hurt their feelings. Then it led me to wonder about being selfish. Like, is being selfish such a bad thing? Because, you know, I used to be religious, you know, uh, affiliated to Christianity. And there was, I don't know, preach that selfishness is, to paraphrase, devilish, um, that you have to be selfless. So I've been conditioned and trained to be selfless, which I guess is not a bad thing, not entirely because I'd rather consider someone else's feelings than my own, but that's fucked up for so many reasons. Like, how do you give what you don't have or what you're being depleted of? How do you keep giving that to people, right? Like, how do you, instead of loving yourself, like, wait, I'll be right back. And you go and you wanna love the world, love the world, love the world. Come back, you're exhausted, you rest, when you wake up, First thing is like, oh shit, hold up. I need to go out and I need to love the world some more. Like, it's great, man. If you got all the love in the world, if you can do it, it's amazing. I remember someone asked me like, where do you get your energy from? And I get energy from loving myself, from spending time on myself. Cause then I know what it feels like. Now I can share it with someone else. But now if I'm always out there, like, you know, and that's what I've been like, it depletes me. And you wonder like, cause you genuinely care for people, but you 
always feel drained. Why? You know? Uh, unless, obviously, when you're with like-minded people, those, like, refresh you and energize you. Um, but for most people, goddamn. So, what is selfishness? Selfishness, the quality or state of being selfish. Okay. Lack of consideration for other people. Hmm. A lack of consideration for other people. No fucks giving. And again, it's like, no, but you don't do it with yourself. You know, but I don't know. I feel like selfishness is, is, is important to a certain degree, you know. You know, maybe not entirely, but I feel like if, if you've been selfless your entire life, then you need to be completely selfish. It's almost like it's a pendulum swing. If, if you were in one extreme, sadly, I think, you know, to balance things out, you have to go through another extreme. I don't know if you have to, but ideally, I think that's how it works. Um, for you to really, to fully understand self and other people. Because I strongly believe by understanding yourself, that's how you understand people. By doing it the other way around, you're, you'll be confused and probably depressed and probably suicidal and probably get corona as well. Selfishness doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be good to be, to be a little selfish, to take care of your emotional, mental, and physical well-being. Many people focus entirely on give, 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 end up overwhelmed, fatigued, and stressed. Basically what I was saying. Should you be selfish in life? This means that you're aware of your own needs or what's important to you to succeed. You don't believe or live as if working on your own goals is selfish. However, you're also aware of those around you and you will feel more fulfilled as a person if you're not always focusing on yourself. Like I really enjoy being with myself so much. Like I have to get that. I have to get my dosage, you know, like at least twice a day. But at other times, you know, I get sick of myself. I'm like, nigga, you're annoying. You know, just like, shut the fuck up. And then I want to be with other people, you know? Um, and it, it, like it happens, like, as much as I like being with myself, I want to be with myself all the damn time. It's like I don't want to be with someone else all the damn time, you know? Like, people drive you crazy. Even you drive yourself crazy. <laughs> and then selfishness led to ego. What is? an ego. And again, Google. Okay, um, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Self-esteem or self-importance. Am I important? Are you important? Are you important to yourself? Not a lot of you probably said yes. And a psychoanalysis would be the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the subconscious or the unconscious and is responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. In philosophy or in metaphysics, a conscious thinking subject, ego, identity, thinking. A lot of people I know are very attached to their thoughts and how intelligent they sound during conversations. That's, again, ego, your personal identity. This is me. Ooh, I'm smart. I went to this school. You know, it's annoying. Um, I mean, like, no one cares, really. Honestly speaking, 
even for myself, maybe I was guilty of this at some point, but I never had a very strong sense of self-esteem. So I didn't really have much to boast about. Like I'd, I'd rather shut the fuck up. So I don't know if I really suffered from it a lot, but if I, if I ever have in the past, it's probably gonna stop now. Like I don't care much for proving myself to anyone anymore. Um, I've already impressed myself, I'm impressed. You know, if you're impressed, that's cool. If you're not, that's also cool. And then it led to something I heard about. I didn't believe like having an ego, is it a good thing, bad thing? Cause it's like, okay, being selfish is kind of having an ego. So being selfish is kind of good. Cause then you, you're putting yourself first in a sense. But then I heard about ego death. What is an ego death? Um, ego death is a complete loss of subjective self-identity. The term is used in various intertwined contexts with related meanings in descriptions of psychedelic experiences. The obliteration of the self and the experience of enlightenment. The ego is frightened by death because ego is part of the incarnation and ends with it. That is why we learn to identify with our soul, as the soul continues after death. For the soul, death is just another moment. When the ego dies, the soul awakens. All the troubles come to an end when the ego dies. I guess as confusing as it may be to some people, like, so what do I do now? Should I be selfish? Should I live with this ego that protects me? Or should I be selfless? And what is an ego death? Should I let my ego die? Um, and really, it's like the way I understand ego death, right? It's like if, if your ego is dead, like they said, like ego fears death. And sometimes it's not a literal death, but yes, also that like, how do you know when you die, you actually die, right? And it, it depends on what you believe, but considering that you're a spirit in a body, so if your body dies, who's to say that you die? What if your body is actually suffocating you? Like right now, you're actually suffocating. And when you die, you're like, oh my God, fuck, finally, you know? And I just wonder, like, who are we when we're stripped naked? If you're stripped of all your, your valuables, your commodities, you know, your money, your property, your identity, your personality, your friends, your fake friends, your, um, you know, if you take everything away and leave you as you are, like bare naked on an island, and that's who you are. No name, no identity. Will you be okay with that?